Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Dini. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jurgen Klopp, and you are listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jurgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members, and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Graham Hunter and we'll bring you joy Hello everyone, I'm Neil White Welcome to part two of our November Q&A It's my pleasure to welcome back to Giants of Spanish Football reporting Pete Jensen and Graham Hunter. Let's start by hearing from one of our socios. Here's Richard Cosmala. Hi, Jay. Hi, Pete. It's uh, Richard Cosmala in Huddersfield. Hope you boys are well. Uh, it's a bit of a bugbear in mind at the moment, but I'm just not feeling the quality of the football at all uh, in La Liga. And to be honest, pretty much in the European leagues. Is it purely because we've got this ridiculous schedule with the you know, Champions League games, the ridiculous Nations League continuing, the friendlies. And is it just a COVID thing? Uh, or is it just a general malaise, especially in the league of uh, standards falling in the last few years? You might disagree, but I'm just not having it. I just see games, war of attrition at the moment. Teams not really playing much good football. Okay, Real Sociedad accepted really, but people just kind of getting through. It's almost like fast food really. And uh, I don't know if you agree with me, but I'd like your comments. Cheers. Yeah, I don't think I don't think if you look at Real Sociedad, if you look at Atletico Madrid, you can't come to any other conclusion than the one that they're playing better than they were last season, and the football is very, very good. The same I'd say for Villarreal. Barcelona have fallen away, Madrid have fallen away. I think the biggest thing of all is we're really missing the fans, um, and that goes for whether you're a commentator, whether you're sitting at home watching it on television. You know that whole idea that some lunatics had not so long ago that you know we we really shouldn't bother about fans. Football should be a TV sport. Well, you know we found out over the last few months that it's so important. It's so important to the spectacle, and it it, it does show in some games. And I think particularly where there's not a lot of quality on the pitch. Uh, and a game isn't the most exciting, then you don't have the warmth of the people and you really you really do feel it and you really do miss it. Yeah, super, because I think that also for Pete's benefit and for listeners' benefit, everybody needs to know, understand the, the context of your question and that, you, you know, you I've never met anybody who's as dedicated to travelling to all corners of the globe to watch football um, in a foreign stadium as, as regularly as you do. and And therefore, I think... Uh, the thing that's been taken away from you, that ability to be in a pulsating foreign crowd um, or watching, you know, mighty Huddersfield um, in the Premier League, I guess that's that's impacted you a lot. Um, I hope you don't feel that's a too personal uh, a comment. I also don't... Um, I, I'd go halfway. Um, I, I feel that we're putting footballers in danger. 
I feel like a bad actor in this, um, in that um, when you listen to to Klopp, Klopp's, uh, and, and I like Jeff Shrees, I know Jeff Shrees really well, I thought that Jeff handled the onslaught really well, but Klopp's impassioned, this isn't about Liverpool, you, we're breaking the players and nobody cares. And Koeman yesterday in his press conference, um, not, not yesterday, last week, um, before heading to uh, Kiev, the Spanish questions he batted off, and there was one English question from Jamie Easton from ESPN, and, and Koeman went into one, uh, and we're talking about two ex-footballers who said, this is not give clubs precedent over international football. This is, the needle is re- reaching red for ultra danger. And... I think that some of the football you're seeing stems from that because those who aren't yet walking wounded or mentally burned out are reaching so deep. All of us know that what thrills us isn't just technique and talent. It's that almost intangible blend of good footballers playing with other good footballers against another team which is pretty packed full of talent and is in good nick. And... They might not be totally well-matched, but on a given day, a, a clutch of two or three players will come up with six or seven things where you go, they deserve to win that. That was the dog's bollocks. And it's about being on it. That phrase about being right on it. And we're going to see less and less of that, partly because of the crowds. I couldn't agree more with Peter. So, Supercause, I, I think it's a combination of two things. Um, one, the crowds. Two, the fact that we are burning our players right down to the bottom of their wick and also this has been a, a weird year where their their physiques their mentality their personal calendar the footballers it's all out of kilter because they played deep into the summer they had hardly any break the back again isn't simply about being tired this feels as odd to them and as risky to them you know they've got to worry about you know we all go oh there's another footballer who's asymptomatic and he's got to well he's had the COVID, he's been fucking shitting himself about, can I see, go and see my mum or my granny or my next door neighbour or the kids? All that kind of shit, super cosy. We, we live in, in, in a really odd time and we're, we're just going to have to grit our teeth and help them get through it and, and try to convince everybody that is of any worth that, that football needs to be uh, not killing the golden goose and treating its players like battery hens because it's, it's, right now it's wrong. Thank you, Richard. Um, I, I wonder what it's going to look like in... In the spring, you know, in March, April, where these squads would usually be purring throughout the the meaty part of the season, you know, in the best of times, and then suddenly you'd see the you'd see it start to stretch and thin around about um, March and April. We're already at the stretching and thinning part now, so I just wonder what Nick these guys going to be in when spring starts to turn into summer. Thanks, Richard. Next up is Ian Boddy, who says, can I be cheeky and ask two questions, albeit on the same subject? And I think you can. We're going to link these in two together, both on Barcelona. Number one, is Messi staying or going? And number two, elections. Any clues as to the identity of the next Juntas? Can we start with you, Pete? Yeah, I'm kind of waiting to see who actually, you know, gets to the start line, you know, for when the for when the gun is fired, because there are a lot of candidates at the moment, as always happens with elections, and you know, there are always characters who are happy to to have a little bit of the spotlight, even though they know they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna, they're not for the long run, as it were. Victor Font's the the, the favourite. Um, 
there's a theory that he's speaking too much because obviously the more he speaks, then the more possibility is that he's going to say something that will upset people. Um, but he seems to have such wide backing. He's done well to associate himself with Xavi, even though I think there's a there's an understanding that Xavi will come when he wants to, and that won't necessarily be. Um, even at the end of the season, let's see if Messi moves on. I, su- I suspect that Xavi wants the job once Messi's gone um, because it will then be a new era and a clean, a clean start. Um, so I'd say Victor Font right now, not really sure what, whether what's happening with Laporte. I mean, he's, everyone thinks that he will ultimately you know, be in the race, but it, does he want to lose another election? So it, will he reach a point where he feels that maybe... He stands and loses again, as he did to Barton Mail, so therefore he don't stand. I think it's probably going to be Victor Font, but um, as I say, I'm, I'm not in that at the moment because I'm, I'm waiting to, for the, the, you know, the, the field to clear and to find out actually who the runners and riders are. Yeah, Neil, I, I'd go to the point of saying that I actively hope that it's Font. When you listen to uh, what he's saying, what his plans are, broadly who he's got on board, I, I, I back what Pete said that... I, I think it might be that he gets Xavi at the end of the season, but is it guaranteed? No. Has Xavi has got very lucrative commitments in Qatar long beyond when Victor Font would need him if he wins the race in January? Yes, he does. So I, I think that's a really you know, technical and difficult point for an incoming president. Well, I, well you want to know who I, Well, I might have Xavi. You know, that isn't a real book grabber. You know, it might work in Georgia and Pennsylvania. I still am a little bit, Interested to see if Laporta declares. Um, I think he shouldn't get the job. I thought that his absolute um, lightning conductor value in 2002 was bringing together greatness, whether it be business greatness in, in England and Soriano or trusting ultra greatness in Cruyff to say, make Chicky your football director and then trusting Chicky when Bagheerstein said, we'll try for Hiddink. No, okay. We'll try for Koeman. No, okay, okay. Reichard, who at the time had been relegated with Sparta, had a moderate time with the Dutch national team and would burn out really, really quickly, but proved to be exactly the right guy. The hard fact is that it's even more difficult to be to be accurate at this distance about what Messi's going to do because he doesn't know. Uh, he doesn't, he's going to be... F- He's going to be out of contract. It won't simply be Manchester City uh, trying for him. I have no doubt whatsoever that the owners at Manchester City are absolutely committed to getting him. My personal opinion is that Pep wouldn't feel the same. But Pep has always said, I'm an employee. And if they can get Messi, Pep will do what he's told and he'll make the most of it. It's really obvious why... um, the, the type of football that Pep Guardiola thinks needs to be played to dominate Europe and to conquer the Premier League is possibly a type of football that, irrespective of his quality, making him still the best player in the world, Messi has changed. And you hear ex-footballers and ex-coaches saying, of course, Messi, bring him out, because they haven't been watching, they haven't seen the changes. But, you know, he had he talked about his, his kids and his wife breaking down at tear, in tears about the prospect of leaving Barcelona. That will happen again. How safe does he feel the world is when it's time to to move countries? Does he want to stay at Football Club Barcelona? I I think that um, I owe you everything has burned out. I think he's sick to the back teeth. I hope he moves. It's the right thing to do to move, to rejuvenate himself, um, to find new reasons to to dig deep and, and find excellence. I'd be fascinated by it. So I hope it does happen, but to say that it is guaranteed to happen, 
Nobody knows right now. And and why would they know? The negotiations are about to begin in in earnest and he'll be given choices that he wasn't given last summer because clubs can now guaranteed get him for free and only pay the massive wages. But uh, that might, for some, that might be an absolute uh, vanity purchase. So he'll be thrown the option to go to Inter and probably Juventus and certainly PSG and and Inter Miami, who've done quite well in the play. Oh, God. So it's, it'd be nice for him to have the choices, but fucking hell, we'll be sick of the subject by June. There, there, there were two stories that came out, weren't there, in the last week or so regarding Messi. One was that Guardiola had signed his new deal because he was under, of the understanding that City we're definitely going to get Messi at the end of the season. And, and that's so far from the truth. As Graham says, Guardiola is not the driving force behind Messi going to Manchester City. Absolutely not. And you have to remember that Messi went to City and went to Guardiola last summer. It wasn't the other way around. And one of the interesting things that came out, um, who is um, Guardiola's um, right-hand man? Estiati. Something that Estiati said in the middle of that summer was, he, almost, he was almost saying, we owe this to Leo Messi. Leo Messi needs a way out and he's given us so much uh, and he's given Barcelona so much that we almost owe him this. You know, we, yeah, come here, we'll make, we'll make a place for you. And although it sounds ridiculous to say we'll make a place for the probably the greatest player of all time, that is where we're at now, Messi, age 33, in the speed of the Premier League. You would have to make a place for him. Guardiola would have to change some of the things that he will want to do if he doesn't have Messi in the team. So Messi, so Guardiola is not the, is not the one asking and begging for, for Messi. And the other story, that, as Graham says, if, if he ends up with Messi in, in the squad, then no problem. Let's, let's get on with it. Let's make it work. The other thing, the other story that came out was that Manchester City can't afford Leo Messi because of his hundred million euro wages. That was a contract that was agreed. Was it three years ago? We're in a completely different world now in terms of finances and we're in a completely different world now in terms of Messi. And Messi will have a, an array of options at the end of the season, but no one, no one will be offering him €100 million Euros a season. And not Qatar, not, not in the US, not China, not any other European club that want to take him. So, so City won't have to pay that much and they will see it commercially as not a player, not a signing that pays for itself, but uh, someone who will contribute so much to the money coming in that they can afford money going out. Great questions, Ian. Thank you very much. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back with the last two questions from this month's Q&A show. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
And we're back with another question from Diana Yao, who asks, we're moving from Spain to England, guys. Who are the potential dark horses in the Premier League title race? So, Pete, let's start with you. If you look at that Premier League table and the pace setters, there are some unusual names, unfamiliar names at the top end. Who do you think's got the best chance of going the distance? Well, we're allowed to say that Tottenham are a dark horse. I suppose I we are, aren't we, really? When was the we, last time they won it? Yeah, I think we can. Um, I think they can They can do it this season. Um, I'm, I'm starting to like Jose Mourinho again, uh, having gone through a, a period of time when when it seemed as if he was saying the same old things. Um, he's fresher, I think, now. Um, I think he's... I think he's done what what he maybe should have done a few years back, um, which is go to a club with with low expectations um, and a club where he can um, call the shots because they haven't won anything. Um, and that's how he that's how he, he he reached greatness. That's what he did it into into hadn't won the the Champions League. What was it for forty five years? Chelsea hadn't won the Premier League for was it forty five years as well? That's what he does best. Um, and that started to fall apart when he went to Real Madrid, um, a club where you know he tried to call all the shots, and, and and he had World Cup winners in front of him saying, "Well, actually, we're not going to do it that way." So he's gone back to to the sort of football environment where he can really thrive, um, and he's got super sub Graham uh, Gareth Bale, who you know will play um, a few minutes from time to time. Why not? <laughs> um, so I think. Um, I think Tottenham are realistic challengers um, and in what is going to be an odd season, I quite like the idea of Chola winning it in Spain and Mourinho winning it in England. <laughs> yeah, I'd be hypocritical after what I've said before. I've often used the phrase, <clears throat> Diana, that I'd like to be able to respect Jose Mourinho more because um, to, to go from this eager, awkward young lad who never played football at a decent level but kept lots of notes and knocked on Bobby Robson's door to, to where he's got to now is a massive testimony to um, his naked desire to be famous and worshipped and massively wealthy. And I thought that he'd got sated. Not Sorry, did the line crackle? Sated, not Satan, sated um, with self-regard and money and payoffs and... He looks quite the opposite now. I, I also thought that um, Spurs players weren't particularly going to enjoy the environment. And at the moment, that is patently not true. He's understood the way in which that if he protects the defence a little bit with organisation in midfield and then releases runners where Kane has helped him by being willing to drop a little bit and occasionally play 10 or quarterback, Sun's running timing this concept in Spanish of llegada um, Son's ability to play off either foot um, I think his his goal scoring ratio at Spurs is almost exactly 50% left foot 50% right foot we made a huge fuss about Dembele and nobody mentions that enough about Son long and short I'd like to be able to say that you know they're, they're title candidates I, I'm enjoying this rejuvenation of Jose Mourinho for the moment but I still think Liverpool win the title. I, I, I don't need dark horses. Leicester don't win it. Um, I think City have material problems that will prevent them winning the title. And I think that it's still Europe is their major obsession. I think Liverpool win the title. 
And I genuinely believe that as they get through, I think their their <clears throat> their ability to, to forge solutions during difficult times will make them have wings when they all when all when most of them come back together. We won't see Van Dyke playing a, a crucial role in the Premier League this season, I don't think. But I think that they will uh, forge an extra level of um, impetus um, out of the difficulties they're facing right now. Klopp said he, he was just about in, on the point of sending the points to whoever it was, Brighton last week or wherever he was due to go because he said we're in a point of collapse. And I believe him. But my prediction is that dark horses will have to watch the white stallion race past them, red and white stallion. And it's um, it's Liverpool again, Diana. It was a bit of a statement against Leicester when you looked at that Liverpool 11 and especially the bench, which seemed really skinny for them to then do to Leicester what they did. Um, that was a, a bit of a sharpener for everybody else. I, 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 I understand your point. And the only reason I disagree is I don't think Leicester... Uh, I, I, your point is good, but Liverpool's expenditure and percentage success by expenditure is almost as good as we've seen in our lifetimes. And Leicester don't do that. I have a real problem calling uh, Gareth Bale Graham Bale. Um, and it did happen at the end of an interview that I did with um, Gareth Bale, and he didn't really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's because of the golf swing is very similar, or I know they've got similar left foots, but I don't know what it is. But yeah, Gareth Bale, Graham Bale. You never do. You never really did that in an interview. I did at the end. Yeah, yeah. I said thanks, Graham. And then for some reason, he's never wanted to talk to me again, which um, may be related to that. I, I, and he and he left the and he left the country. Diana, you, 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 you didn't know that you were getting the DVD um, offcuts, but you are. Have we got one more question, Neil, before we lose our esteemed guest? We're going to close out with one from our sponsors, Bet365. The guys say, do you believe that Scotland can emulate Wales Euro 2016 run at the upcoming competition? I'll add to that because you and I, Graham, haven't discussed this yet. So when it gets to you, I'd like to ask you where you were when uh, you watched the, the Serbia game. And Pete, can we start with you? What do you make of the Scotland team? Well, I think um, with Sooners pulling the strings in midfield, and, you know, Johnny Robertson gets a decent run down the right side. I'm a little bit worried about Alan Ruff. Um, and I think, to be honest, some of the euphoria you know, around the team before the tournament starts is maybe a little bit too much. Um, but you know, I love the. Uh, what do you mean we shouldn't do a lap of honour before the tournament starts? That's what Hamden's for. And and I would say watch out for Archie Gemmell. I think he's capacity to score an incredible goal during the tournament at some point, possibly in the last group game. I don't know. Um, listeners, listeners, do you now do you now see my the urgency with which I pleaded with you to sign up to Lally to League of Television so you can get this quality of input from Pete in the studio and on commentaries on La Liga television every single week, man. It's it's double cream and strawberry jelly is what it is. It's top. It's top. Well, look, okay, listen, p- t- picking out that particular baton, it's horrible when I've got to be the serious one. Um, where was I? I was, um, I was on my couch texting Dr. Tom Markham. Um, absolutely guaranteed we'll win now. We do penalties good. Um... Yeah, I think that we have um, a coach who seems to really understand how to make the whole greater than the sum of the parts, which I think is what 
um, club sides or national sides that have the problems that Scotland do um, absolutely require. Um, I think that I'll put a good word in for Gordon Strachan. All the players said that he changed things, that he was doing good work. I think that some of the ideas and, and playing systems that Strachan put in place, Steve Clark has benefited from. Um, I like Stephen Reid, who's his uh, assistant, friend of this show, excuse me. Um, and, and where I would say things are obvious is that in Robertson and Tierney, it, when you find the right way to have two of them in the same team, they're extremely good footballers with extremely good characters, winning, aggressive, competitive, competitive characters. And they are not, by definition, the type of footballers who are like, we are subconsciously addicted to teetering on the brink and then falling over, either in non-qualification or, you know, scoring own goals in a tournament or, you know, dropping clangers so that we, you know, we, we go out against the Faroe Islands. It, that doesn't happen with Tierney's and Robertson's of this world, not just them. I think I'm leading on to a, your Wayne Rooney's, haven't I, in terms of Berniston. Hello, lads. I, I think that we have a superfluity of good talent in McGinn and Christie and Armstrong and maybe Jack and, I mean, who am I missing? Did I mention McGregor? Fraser when he comes in. Um, well, we Fraser, I don't, I, yeah, I don't count him as a, such a midfielder because what I like about him is he can either be, as he, you know from the interview you did, the big, he'd like to be considered as a as a 10 or a second striker. He can be an out-and-out winger. The partnership with Lyndon Dykes, to me, in the two games that they played together looked innate. Um, the same Lyndon Dykes that I, last time I was at Petodre, he was at Livy, he was playing for Livingston, and I fucking gave him pelters the whole afternoon. And then hypocrite that I am, I was cheering him on like stink. Um, I, I, I think we have um, a selection of players who have been good enough, either in the Premier League or the Championship, to gain experience playing against um, better tactics, um, better opponents, um, playing under pressure. And I think it's beginning to merge into a group that likes being with one another. Um, I, who's the big centre? Who's the big um, centre half who played that I didn't know much? Gallagher. Gallagher, I liked. I, I've seen Gallagher for the first time, and I was like, "Man, you're the Paul Torres of Scotland." I love the way that you're playing the ball. If we Lee Griffiths can stay fit, stay um, stay on the straight and narrow in his personal life, uh, which I very much hope he does, whether it's good for Scotland or not. And begin. He's got a goal-scoring capacity, which is um, which tournaments love. Tournaments adore players like Lee Griffiths. So if he's in good nick, and the majority of those that I've mentioned are in the team, not just in the squad, um, I I take great umbrage. I take huge umbrage, in fact, at the idea that we might piss about like Wales did. We're obviously going to win the tournament. It's just, it's just by how many we beat Croatia and the Czech Republic and whether England turn up on the day at Wembley, it's just, I mean, they won't have Yuri Geller and his magic fucking crystals and the rolling penalty spot ball trick anymore. So to me, it's about the quarterfinals, Neil. I like the comparison between one of the first questions we asked in this Q&A, part one of which was out on Friday, if you missed it, which was that special source that you two described at L'Oreal 
which is exactly what you've talked about there. It's this kind of like unidentifiable link between guys of a comparable age, you know, having a generation of players that come together and have something that just gives them that extra, you know, five to 10%. And I wonder, I wonder if this Scotland group have that. But that's all we have for you guys this time on our Q&A show. Thanks very, very much for listening. Thank you, Graham. And a special thank you to our first ever special guest star. There's only one Pete Jensen, one Pete Jensen. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.